Isaiah 7 opens in Judah's war room as King Ahaz paces around the table where his generals are seated. He sits and places his shaking hands atop the table. Okay, talk to me, men. What's the damage? How many have we lost so far? A king, take a look at the map here. Israel, our own brothers, our flesh and blood, attacked us and killed 120,000 in one day. Then they captured 200,000 of our men, women, and children. I mean, we were small to begin with, but Israel hurt us so bad. We're hemorrhaging now. I don't know how many more of these battles we can survive. Is that all? No, sir. You see, Syria also attacked and took over one of our strongest cities, the city of Elath. They stormed the city like the walls were made of straw. They took all the survivors back to their capital. Now, one of our stronger cities is run by Syrian rule. Is that all? No, afraid not, sir. It appears Syria and Israel have joined forces. We might be able to marshal an army to ward off Israel or ward off Syria if they attack, but when they join forces and they attack us together, we're done. And the worst news of all, it's not if they attack King Ahaz, it's when. I don't know what we're going to do. Isaiah wrote that the hearts of the people of Judah were moved like trees in the wind. They were so fearful, so worrisome. They wondered each day if that day would be their last day. Would they fall before a Syrian or Israelite sword before nightfall? With all that bad news, King Ahaz walked down to the aqueduct, probably to see if they had enough water and food inside the walls to sustain a long, drawn-out siege by the enemy armies outside her walls. How long could they last? How long would they last? While King Ahaz surveyed his suffering city, God sent the newly minted prophet Isaiah to prophesy to him. God told Isaiah to take his son to meet King Ahaz at the aqueduct. He even told Isaiah what would weigh heavy on the king's heart. God even told Isaiah to tell King Ahaz what the kings of Syria and Israel were plotting behind closed doors. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Emmanuel on Simplify. Here's the message God gave Isaiah to give to Ahaz. Don't be afraid of those two burnt-out embers, the king of Syria and the king of Israel. Let me tell you what they're talking about behind closed doors. They're talking about invading Judah and taking over. That's not very comforting. They're already fitting their man for the throne. They've ordered business cards with the name Son of Tabeel, king of Judah, on them. They've already decided who will sit on Judah's throne after they take over. But don't worry, Ahaz, it's not going to happen. And no offense, Rev, that's easy for you to say. You're not the one responsible for the safety of every citizen within these walls. God knew how fearful Ahaz was of Syria and Israel, so God gave him a gift. Isaiah handed over heaven's diamond credit card with no limit and told Ahaz, Go ahead, swipe it. You get one swipe. Go ahead. You don't believe God, so ask him for a sign. Ask for anything, he'll do it. If you want lightning to strike a dandelion, he'll do it. Ask for anything. Oh, I'd love for God to make me that deal. About to make a major decision in life. What car to drive, what house to buy, what college, what career, what calling. 
the biggest decision next to deciding to follow Jesus, whom to date, whom to marry? I'd love for God to tell me, ask me for a sign, I'll give it. But God gave that promise to Ahaz. But Ahaz tugged on his lapels and said, I dare not tempt the Lord by asking him for a sign. Sounds about right. But Ahaz's lips were furlongs away from his life. Ahaz was wicked and now he was testing God. And the preacher was upset. Isaiah sternly warned the king, be careful, king. Are you really going to try to try God's patience? Then Isaiah's voice steeled as he spoke for heaven. Hear me now, O house of David. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Pay attention, Ahaz. This next part is important. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. I like the sound of that. He'll eat curds and honey by the time he's old enough to know right from wrong, but before he's even that young, those lands of the two kings you fear so much, Israel and Syria, will both be forsaken of both of their kings you fear so much. It's going to be okay, Ahaz. God is with us. That prophecy the prophet prophesied to King Ahaz foretold of a young unmarried woman at the time who would soon marry and give birth to a son. And as soon as this baby boy was born, Ahaz could count down the days until his two sworn enemies were destroyed. And Emmanuel would be the sign to Judah that God would keep his word. The next chapter opens up as Isaiah remarries. His first wife appears to have passed away, and Isaiah marries another lady, and she gave birth to Isaiah's second son. They called his name Maher Shalakashbaz which means to run to the spoil in a time of war. Judah wasn't running to anything. They were running from everything, but that was about to change. Then God spoke to Isaiah to speak over his son. Before this child is old enough to say mama and papa, the king of Assyria will carry away the abundance of Damascus and the riches of Samaria. Damascus, the capital of Syria, Samaria, the capital of Israel. God would fight for Judah. And right around two years later, God kept his word. Isaiah's second son was Isaiah's Emmanuel. But Isaiah's Emmanuel is not our Emmanuel. Skip 700 years of sacred scenes and stop in a small blue-collar town with a flashing yellow lantern right in the middle of their small town square, the town called Nazareth. The scene was the same, but the characters were different. Just like God promised a remnant return from captivity and God still had a people and his people still had an enemy. This enemy was draped in red and gold and pledged their allegiance to Caesar. The Romans heavily taxed and occupied oppressed Israel. Israel wanted nothing more than a Messiah to come, foment a revolution and kick out the Romans from their streets and their lives once and for all. There in that small town as rebellion was on a hair trigger, a newly engaged couple was planning their new life together, a life under the heavy hand of the ever-strengthening Roman Empire. He was Joseph, she was Mary, and she found favor with God, and God sent an angel with a powerful prophecy that he had been waiting some 700 years to fully fulfill. And Mary lobbed the emotional grenade and pulled the pin when she told her faithful fiancé that she was pregnant. But he knew and she knew they had never been together. While Joseph tried to make sense of it all. He fell asleep, and God sent an angel to him in a dream who said, Joseph, 
thou son of David, fear not. Take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And here's the reason, Mary. Here's the reason, Joseph. Now all this was done. All these 700 years of wishing and waiting for God to come and save them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin, that would be you, Mary, shall be with child, that would be your son, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Mary, you've probably heard probably even read of Isaiah's Emmanuel, but this Emmanuel will be different. He won't just be a sign. He will be the Savior. He will save you from a more formidable foe than just another enemy invasion. He'll save you from a foe much stronger than taxation or even the very threat of death. He will save you from your sins. The Emmanuel born in Isaiah 8 was the son of Isaiah and his new bride, but the Emmanuel born in Matthew 1 will be the son of Mary and the son of God. When Isaiah's Emmanuel was born, he was a sign that God was on their side. Judah could rally around little Emmanuel when Syria and Israel flashed their sharp swords and made their threats, and they could remember, God is with us. I'm with you guys. I'm on your side. Don't be afraid. But our Emmanuel came for much more than that. He didn't just come to pat us on the shoulder and cheer us on. He came to be the fullest fulfillment of the name Emmanuel. He came to be God with us. To walk next to us. To live with us. And to die for us. He was the complete fulfillment of the name he bore. The Apostle Paul wrote it powerfully like this to his protege Timothy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And John wrote it beautifully in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw him. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our God made the longest, most selfless journey ever known to humanity. He came from heaven to earth, from seated on a throne to lying in a manger, from surrounded by thousands and thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands of angels, to surrounded by a faithful mother and a fretful father who wondered how he would ever learn to father the heavenly Father, in human flesh. God came to be with us because he knew we would never be good enough to be with him. In Jesus Christ, it sounds scandalous to holiness, but it's true. God came as a baby. God came as Emmanuel. God came to be with us. I would like us to Praise and thank God that he came to be with us. Lord Jesus, we're in awe. We're really 
quite speechless. I don't know how to say thank you enough. I really don't know how to praise you, don't know how to frame it into words, how grateful I am. Thank you for everything this season reminds us of, represents. Thank you for making that journey. Thank you for that night in Bethlehem. Thank you for being our Emmanuel. Thank you for coming as a baby, living as a child, growing as a teenager, up into being a man, going through everything we go through, facing every temptation we face. Thank you, God, for allowing us to come to you, knowing full well you understand everything we're going through. Jesus, we love you, but more than that, we worship you. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Help us today, I pray, to live in a way that reflects we are with you, we love you, we worship you and you alone. We are devoted wholly, completely to you and you alone. God, I pray today during this Christmas season that you would ever be the only one we worship, the one we adore. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. I hope you've been encouraged, blessed. I hope you get to see the wonderful, selfless journey God made just to be with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. Click the notify button and you'll never miss an episode and share it with others so they will never have to miss an episode of Simplify either. If you're still looking for some Christmas gifts, pick up Simplify the Devotional. Ten Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments, or Blessed Are, A Practical Look at the Beatitudes, all available at PentecostalPublishing.com. And I believe if you order it now, you might be able to get it in time for Christmas. Oh, by the way, Blessed Are is finally officially available on Audible. So if you'd rather give somebody an Audible gift, I'm sure you could gift them in that way. They'd be able to listen to Blessed Are rather than have to read it. So there you go. Thanks, technology. All that available, PentecostalPublishing.com, or you can pick those up at Amazon for Audible. And if you use promo code SIMPLIFY at PentecostalPublishing.com, you will save 10% off your entire order the first time you use the promo code. If you're looking for another podcast, please check out my brand new podcast with my dear friend Darren Sargent. It's called The Lloyd and Leroy Show, a podcast about nothing that might lead to something. It's a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoy it. The Lloyd and Leroy Show should be available on Google, Apple, Spotify, most of your favorite podcasts, platforms. Next week, I want to share with you one more Christmas episode, and it's called The Isaiah 9 Promise. I want to look at another prophecy about our Emmanuel. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with our Emmanuel as we walk through Simplify.